For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Really Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Hello and welcome back to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Headkey, and you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Headkey NBA. And today's episode is a two-part episode where I have Kyle Teige finishing up from yesterday's episode. We're going to define success for the Minnesota Timberwolves this season as individuals and also as a team. And then in the second half of the episode, I have Sham, who is a Pistons uh, writer. He will be linked in the description of this on Twitter. Um, But he's going to come and talk to me about the Detroit Pistons versus the Minnesota Timberwolves opening the season um, tonight when you guys are listening to this. And yeah, so we talk about that. We break down some of the things we're kind of excited to see and what we're expecting from certain players and what we think the teams each will look like throughout the season. But to start off the show, here's my conversation with Kyle Teige. Uh, but en- enough on that stuff. I want to get to the main point of today's show. And that was uh, defining success for the Timberwolves as a franchise and uh, just for individual players, and we'll just start out with the team, just the team in general. What what's the line of success versus not successful season for you, for the franchise? Uh, I, I I'm again. This is the same guy that was super optimistic on your for, on that pod a couple weeks ago, but I don't see a reason why this team, barring any disastrous injury or COVID thing, um, isn't in isn't in that playoff or that play in hunt. Like, you know, I, I want to say the eight seed, but there's God. Then you look at the West standings. You're like, man, are they really going to like, yeah. How do you say the wolves are going to be better than the Grizzlies when, even if it's preseason, the Grizzlies just crushed them. So I, I can't say that, but I don't see why they're not one of the 10 best teams in the West. I, I, I've watched a little Sacramento. I think the wolves have a nod over them. I've watched a little San Antonio. I know they're the Spurs, but I think the wolves have a nod over them. They, they have a major coaching disadvantage in terms of, pop but everyone yeah. does so 
Um, I think they just, yeah, like that 30 win mark. I think their over under is like 28 or something, but 28 just, and a half, I think. Yeah, be competitive throughout the whole year. Um, we don't need to be, you know, if, if Carlton Towns is shut down after 35 games, that's going to be a joke. Like they don't technically have their pick next year. It is top three protected, which covers them from missing out on a Jalen Suggs or something. But yeah, I think they got to sniff 30 wins. I think they got to try to be in a play in game. Maybe they get crushed again by Memphis, but that would be a good sign because while I argue they're really young and they need time to gel the same can, I mean, the other argument is that they have two guys that have been all-stars like they're currently the Russell aren't young. They're on max contracts. Yeah. Like, been around the league a lot so and rubio has been around the league a lot so uh yeah i i'm 30 30 wins is my total i think they got to hit 30 and if it's over that it's it's a success and if it's well under that it's probably probably some people are going to be on warm seats uh across the organization yeah and my my take on i'm not going to go into wins like you did which i but i think that's a very fair way to gauge success i'm going to focus more on both sides of the ball and I think for me, for the Wolves to be successful, they have to be a top 10 offense and a top 20 defense. That's what's really going to think that they're a successful or maybe top 22 defense, just not yeah, a bottom yeah, six, yeah. seven defense in the league. Yeah. If you're a top 10 offense, top 20 defense, you're not here in the playoffs by any means, especially in the stacked Western Conference. But I think it'd be a successful season for the Timberwolves. When I think about this Western com this Western conference is just ridiculous. Like realistically, the 13th seed, 14th seed in the Western conference might be better than the eighth seed in the Eastern conference. Yep. There's a, and maybe not, maybe not, maybe I'm underrating the Eastern conference, but I think it's possible. If your teams battling for the eighth seed in the East are like Orlando and uh, Charlotte teams like that. Yeah. Like, I could see you make an argument where the Pelicans are the 13th seed in the West. And yeah, they might've made the playoffs in the East. So I'm not going to go win total. Um, I think 30 is fair. I'm not going to be mad at somebody saying, Oh, if they don't win, if they win more than 30 games, I think that's a success. Like I could get, I could get behind that. Uh, but I want to just go the other side of the ball and just talk about. Yeah, for sure. Where they rank in the league in certain, certain aspects of the game um but let's go let's go down the roster let's uh what do you want to do we want to start with the bench guys the or do you want to start with the let's star go, let's, go, let's go let's go starters and let's go every other and you start with carl because i have uh d'angelo russell take so you go first <laughs> okay so my take carl carl anthony towns having a successful season um i'm gonna kind of go it's kind of weird to like some of the stuff's just not tangible, but just to be an average defender, Carlin, yeah. just be who he is on offense. He doesn't even have to be better. He doesn't even have to score 26 and a half points like he did last year. If he scores 24 points, but he's a, he's a average defender. That's a successful season for him. If yep. he gets the people off his back saying that he is the worst defender in the league, which is just, just so bad, but like there's been takes like that. Not many people are saying he's the worst, but like to where he's an average defensive center in the league, I think that's a huge success for him as a player and for the Timberwolves. Um, and just be yourself on offense. 
let and let other people cook if they're cooking. And I think Towns isn't against doing that. So, because he knows he'll have his nights. And I think he's understanding that D'Lo's going to have his nights. Beasley's going to have his nights. Um, but Cat's a walking 22-point-per-game scorer no matter what. Like, he's, you can pencil him in for over 20 points a game pretty much any given night. So, not really worried about that. Successful season from Towns. Average defense. I'm, I'm with you on that. I said, I'd also say, too, maybe kind of like I said, sniffing the play-in game for the team success. For him, I think he should be sniffing all NBA, like 13. I think so too, yeah. yeah, 13 um, all because, NBA. Because, and whether you like it or not, uh, NBA awards are narrative-driven. And Carlsley Towns has a lot going for him right now with just everything he's had to go through. I mean, you watch the jump. Like, Rachel Nichols is doing expanded coverage of what he's been through. And he's been through a ton. But I'm just saying, like, he's on the good graces of a lot of people right. because of all the shits he's had to go through. Um, so if he can back up his play, he's going to get a lot of – votes because people mm-hmm. are gonna be like man carl played that well after losing his mom um so yeah i think sniffing 13 again all nba is brutal because it's literally yeah. the 15 best players in the league and i think carl is one of those but i mean the center position is hard so sniff well, that if you have two shoe-ins unless there's an injury with yoga and Embiid, and then it comes down to this year it's going to come down to um one of Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo, and I think Cat is yep. a step above either of those players. Yep. But but both those players are on much better teams, so right. they have an advantage there. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I agree with that. There. What's Dan, let's shift over D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, let's go to number two. So D'Angelo Russell, it's not it's not like a spicy take, but I would just say everything can like I think people would say Anthony Edwards for this. I think they would say Conte Towns. My thing is no one Timberwolf has more pressure on them this year than D'Angelo Russell. And it's really not even close because D'Angelo yeah, Russell was the guy that might mean we don't have a pick next year. So like D'Angelo Russell can't just be the same. D'Angelo Russell can't be the equivalent of Andrew Wiggins where the Timberwolves got like fleeced in that deal. He needs to be like, I am a tier firm tier above whatever you were getting from Wiggins because they paid a heavy price to get him. again. Top three protected pick They're safe if things go really bad but they but spent, not really right there's right, still right. a lottery you know you're yep, the worst yep. team in the league and then you get the fourth pick and you're right. in the worst possible position right I'm, I'm just saying like there's a couple guys right now like that yeah. Kate Cunningham and stuff that are ballers um so they won't miss out on that we don't think but you have you have to show like you've bounced around a lot you've gotten paid you you chose Golden State because they gave you a little more money than the Wolves would at the time like you're the franchise point guard you, I love him, by the way, but like you have yeah. to really ball out because this team has catered to Carl, rightfully so, but they've also catered D'Angelo, and it's like you got to come in, man, and be really good. Like you got to, you know, not be a turnstile on defense. Like just be a be a body, um, get to the line a little bit more, um, hit a lot of threes, uh, orchestrate an offense. But I, I think people don't really talk about him enough because he is such a cool dude, and I, I really like following him as a fan. But he has to be really good this year <laughs> um, because he's directly tied to that pick. Yeah. So my my whole success for D'Angelo Russell, I agree with what you said, 100%. I'm going to add on to that a little bit. There's going to come a point in time this season when Timberwolves fans are clamoring for Ricky Rubio to start over D'Angelo Russell. There will be a time where a section of Timberwolves fans are saying that. Success for D'Angelo Russell, for me, 
is to not let that happen. Do not let your own fan base think that you should get replaced by Ricky Rubio. Yeah, no, I, good I, enough I, so that doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I'm with that. I mean, I, I don't think those guys will cannibalize each other because I think they bring such different things to the table. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think they will either. Like my, and we'll, we can, we'll all save it. But like, I, I think there's a way that there are other players on the team that would maybe duplicate or cannibalize what Russell does more than like a Rubio. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, Rubio is the beloved, like exactly player returning, and and I, I feel some of that. Um, but I also think Russell has a good fan base. Like a lot of people really like how his style of play. Um, and I just, he's just got to produce, you know what I mean? Like he's got to be as durable as he can. I know you had mentioned that he's never played a full season, but in a shortened season like this, man, you probably got to sniff 85, 90% of those games. Cause if all of a sudden he's only playing 70% of the games, I like Rubio, but like that team's going to not be that good. (laughs) Yeah. So he's got to play, he's got to be durable and he's got to, sniff that all he's not gonna make an all-star team probably but he's got to be all-star no, is just so sad. I, yeah he's probably never gonna make an all-star game unless you know he's playing really good when steph and damian lillard retire but there's gonna be more people that come in and he's just probably not gonna be a top five guard in the western and that's okay that's fine mike conley's never made an all-star game yeah. he's pretty good so we would have loved to have mike con prime yeah. mike conley next to cat so yep yeah it's but yeah, I'm totally agree with you on D'Angelo Russell there too. I I think that's a fair assessment for who he should be as a player this year. Uh, moving down, again, another next starter. Uh, we don't know for sure that he's going to be a starter, but it's we're assuming uh, Josh Akogi. What, for me, so I'll go first. For me, Josh Akogi, to be a successful season for me, he needs to be at least, the same defender he was last year, preferably a little bit improved. And then just tighten up that handle a little bit, but just knock down the open three-point shot more than he did last season. Make 33% of your threes. Last year he made 26. So make 32% of your threes. Just show that you can knock those shots down. And I think that's a successful season for a Kobe. Just be who you are defensively. And just show more on offense. Yeah, I mean, hell, I'd say thirty percent. I mean, like you said, yeah. it's it's. I don't. It's a, it's a surprising thing to go up and look his look up his stats to see how actually bad he was shooting threes, like twenty seven and twenty six percent. A lot of those were in different spots on the floor. I mean, above the break and type stuff. Right. He should get a lot more corner threes. Um. But yeah, like thirty percent because if it's if year three is another twenty eight percent you probably got to start to think about if he is a long-term fixture because yeah. you can't really have that. Again, it goes back to my Jarrett Culver can do more things and has a higher ceiling, even though his floor is lower. So for Josh, I think it's that simple. Can just You know he's going to defend. You know he's going to keep right. that level. But 30%, like he's been working with that shot doctor in LA. Like yeah. You got to hit your corner threes, man. You got to kind of be millennial version of P.J. Tucker if you can. Um and that'd yeah. be big. That'd be big for him. And he looked good. And he looked the stroke looked good in the preseason. So hopefully that does translate. And hopefully he's a 30 plus percent three point guy. And I don't think it's out of the question. Um, so I think that'd be a really successful season from him. Uh next guy, we'll go Malik Malik Beasley. What is success to you for Malik Beasley? First team, all defense, uh, all-star caliber. Here's my here's my, Malik, here's my Malik biggest preseason, my biggest preseason take. I haven't dropped it yet. A successful year from Malik Beasley 
is six man of the year. I think Malik Beasley, everything he does would translate so well to being the first guy off the bench. I think you could build a whole campaign around it. The Wolves could pimp it out. You know, Beasley the or you know, Beasley the choice for six man of the year, all that stuff. Um, he fills that kind of high energy, semi crazy, not in a bad way, but like you know that Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Those guys are yeah. just so energetic. Um, and I say all of that because going back to Russell, I think Russell and Beasley need to have their minutes parsed as much as possible. Like, yeah, because I think those two guys don't really. I just I think they cannibalize each other. I, I think they both are are shot hunters, and if it's not going in, they're not really giving you a lot. Whereas if Beasley's on the floor with Edwards and Rubio and Culver and Nas Reed, he can be like the focal point of the offense, which if you know anything about Malik Beasley, he thinks he should be the focal point of a lot of offenses, which is cool. I love confidence, but he, I I just think he should be the first guy off the bench. Um, Whether you start Rubio and Russell or or Russell and, uh, uh, and Edwards, I don't really care, but I just think that he would be the perfect guy to just come in and just, when Carl sits down and Russell sits down to just lead an offense, just put up shots. He's a great shooter. Um, so that would be a success for him is if they can, if they can convince him to come off the bench, I don't think it'll happen, but that would be huge. I think for this team, because their defense would balance out with the starters and their second unit would be awesome. So, okay. So I'm going to push back on that a little bit. And here's my thing. Go back when the Timberwolves drafted Edwards. I had the same thoughts as you get Beasley into the, and I even thought about this last year that he should be the bench guy, the sixth man because of what he brings to the offensive side of the ball and just how much he's going to demand the ball um, with Towns and Russell on the floor at the same time. But to push back on that, I don't, I don't necessarily think he needs to come off the bench to have his minutes staggered with D'Angelo Russell's. From what I've seen in the preseason with that guard rotation is D'Angelo Russell's, it seems like he's going to be the first one off, off the floor and Rubio's going to come in for him. He seems like he's going to be the first guy to sub out. And I think that's the time where he's not going to share the floor with D'Angelo Russell. And I think throughout the rotation of the game, they they maybe only see... 14, 16 of their minutes together. Maybe it's only at the beginning of this, of the game, the first six minutes. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter, maybe that's the only times that they really do share the floor. So I don't necessarily think that he, I don't think the Timberwolves will put him off the bench unless Edwards is just some world beater and all of a sudden is just like ridiculous. So I don't think six man of the year. I'm thinking most improved player of the year, which is going to be a hard, I think it's going to be hard for him to win any award, one with the legal troubles. Um, But like to be a most improved candidate, I think he has a chance for that because obviously he had that stint with Minnesota, but before that he was a, he was averaging eight points a game in Denver last year. If he comes out and averages 17 points a game in Minnesota this year, how do you not put that guy into the most improved player category? Which which I'm, I'm with. I will just say yeah. again, though, he averaged all those points. And Carl Anthony Towns wasn't even in the building. Right. So to me, it's like for him to be most improved off of that 
scoring influx he had, I mean, man, he would have to probably average north of 20 points and be a pretty good defender. So I think you're right, but I would just say, is that more likely or is it just more likely to bring him off the bench? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. I'm with you though. If he's most improved, if he's in the category, this is a home run. Like it's a steal because it would mean that he's not only averaging 20 points, but his defense got better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. There's something preseason, super short. I get it. But I just think there's some times when if Carl D'Angelo and Beasley are on the court together, if it's not clicking, it's really bad because yeah. it's a bunch of guys who are offensive minded guys. And I just think, so you're right. If they can put Russell and Beasley's minutes as far apart as possible, and it doesn't involve six men of the year. I'm with you. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you're not necessarily saying the award, just like playing at that level. Yeah. If you were off the bench, you would win that war an award. And you just think that splitting up their minutes, whether they both start or whatever, is like the most effective way to get that production out of both players. And I can agree with that. I don't think they should share the floor that much. If they share the floor like 80% of their minutes, I think that team's bad. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but like, I just think that they just need to have different iterations of guys that work better together. Um, and I, I like Malik Beasley a lot. I just think him with a, a Culver and, a, and, a, and an Anthony Edwards and a Rubio and then little Towns or a little Nas Reed is, is the best way to do it. So, But I'm yeah. with you. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, and I – but that brings a question. I want, I want to see Rubio and Beasley together, but I also want to see Rubio with Anthony Edwards for a lot of the game as well. So, going back to the earlier topic, if Culver and Okogi can share the floor together, that opens up the door for Rubio to play alongside both Edwards and Beasley for a good chunk of the game, which I think is important for Edwards' development and Beasley's development. So some of those guys getting better is coming back to a Kogi and Culver being better so they can play together. So then those guys can play with Rubio more, which could be important too. So I think that the whole team improving is kind of weird. Do you, I don't see a place where the Timberwolves are going to take a step back offensively from who they had last year. I don't see a world where, you know, like, and I'm not saying, Beasley I'm not saying Beasley of last year I'm saying like Russell Wiggins output similar probably pretty similar probably close to you know Russell might be a little more efficient um and then it's like Beasley and Travion Graham right and like the offense is going to be really good this year I mean if Culver and Akogi are better offensively than they were last year that pushes the offense up another notch if Cat is the same guy if Russell's who he is and then you have Wancho and Lehman who are good offensive players and then you add in Anthony Edwards you have Malik Beasley Nas Reed if he's at least as good as he was last year like the offense is gonna be really good and the defense is gonna be questionable a lot of the time um but let's okay so we got Malik Beasley's success we're thinking just like in the conversation of six man most improved like or more simply put more Timberwolves Malik Beasley than Denver Malik Beasley yeah yeah 80 80 percent of what he was last year is really encouraging plus his yep. defense I don't think he's gonna be a good defender but he's trying super hard 
And yep. that's something. Like he's not going to stop Luka Doncic. And I, and I think I think he's such a caffeinated, energetic guy. I just you you corrected me on on the number, but just if you're going to watch the first ten games and be really open minded, watch him rebound. Yeah, he just goes and gets it. He he, he has gotten it. bigger. He's he's a borderline athletic freak for his size. Yeah, um, if he can help Carl get rebounds when they're turnstiling in weird power forwards like Wancho or Jake Lehman, if he can sniff like seven rebounds a game, that's like a big deal for this yeah. team that has is basically running out three and a half guards all the time. So that would be big. All right, last starter question mark. Who do you think starting at the power forward? I gotta just. I, I think I, I think it'll be Jake Jake Lehman. I think so too. Um, okay, so let's go to let's go to Jake. So this would be for you for I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'll, take, I'll take it. Jake take Lehman. It. Jake Lehman um, is the forgotten man in all of this. Uh, beloved, I think, by Wolves yep. fans. Had that injury, yep. kind of kind of off the radar guy because we haven't seen him play. Um, his numbers with Towns were good early. I don't think they're that meaningful because it was short short sample size. Um, but he's very athletic. He knows how to cut. He plays well with smart players like like Rubio and stuff in terms of his basketball IQ. Um, but again, for him, can he shoot? He's not going to be able to defend a lot of power forwards, but no one on this team can. Um, but yeah, I just think, can he give you a stable, can he be the fifth best player in the starting lineup? Because I actually am higher on, I would like to see Culver start down the road, but can he be the yeah. really competent fifth starter, um, that just kind of holds down the fort? He doesn't have to be massively plus, 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 just don't be negative, 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 like provide help Carl on defense, get five, six rebounds, hit shots, um, get a deflection, uh, and just be, he's not a good deal, man. Like, what does he make? Like is he making th- three, three less million? than four million dollars? Yeah. yeah, less than four. Can you outplay your contract? If you can give us five million dollars of production, that's to me a really good sign for a guy who is still pretty young and is also really athletic and can do a lot of things on the floor when they're running up and down. What about you? What do you think about? Do you think he'll start? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I. I, I don't. I really don't. I. I think so. If I had to. If I just pick one if I was hard pressed to pick one of him or Wancho I would say Jake starts but my confidence level in that is like 55 45 like yeah I'm not sure um and I think that's a position that could change and Saunders said something about by committee at the four spot you know a few days ago too Uh, so I think it could change but for Jake Lehman by the way he's making 3.7 3.7 this year, 3.9 next year. So not even $4 million. So I'll play in the contract. That's a good one. Um, I think for me to say that he had a successful season um, was just be who he was last year, the start of the year before he got hurt. Yep. Like make us believe that those numbers weren't just happenstance. Like yep. that you truly are an effective play on the court, even if your stats don't show it, just like the team overall play, because I think his cutting thing is really, really important for a team that runs such a five out type offense An effective cutter like that is going to be really important. And then also just knock down his three point shots when they're open, just like you don't have to be a world beater. You don't have to set the world on fire and shoot 40% for three, but knock down your open three point shots at a 40% rate. I mean, contested ones, if you're shooting 33, whatever. But if you're knocking down the open ones, 40% is 
Um, I think that's good. But yeah, just pretty much same things you said. Just outplay your contract. Prove that you deserve that starting spot over Wancho and play good backside help defense if Cadaver needs it, which he showed that he can do in the preseason, but just like translate that to the regular season. Basically just play yourself into a bigger contract. Yeah. He's only 26. Jake Lehman's been around the league for what seems like ever. He's a year older than Keelan Martin. Like, I mean, I think this is his fifth year. I think he was drafted in 2016. So he got drafted the year after cat. Um, Yeah. Just demand that some team pays you the Wancho contract in two summers or even more. Yep. You know, like play yourself into a bigger contract like that. Um, But yeah, so that's our, that's the starting lineup. Next guy will go uh, best player off the bench, which started the season. I would say it's Ricky Rubio. Yep. Uh, Thoughts Rubio successful season for him. Uh, Big, uh, big Rubio fan. Loved him when I was younger and he showed up for the first time. Very happy to have him back. I thought maybe, not to go back to preseason stuff, I thought maybe he looked the worst of the entire Yeah, he hasn't looked good. But I, I'm, I'm okay with that because it's just he's adjusting to a new system and he's a comfort guy. Yeah. I don't think he looked. And he did look He did look better in the third game than the yep. first two. But, yeah, yep. he just didn't look good um, so I, for most I think, of the preseason. I think for him, uh, the success is just he is such a smart dude. Finding his niche because he's not going to be the Phoenix Suns Rubio, like he's not going to be a starting point guard where he's demand, you know, he's dribbling a thousand times. Um, right. It's going to be more ball movement. So coming in and just elevating the play of everyone. So if he's a spot starter next to Russell, just you know, distribute the ball, elevate everyone around you. Um, if he's playing with Anthony Edwards and Josh and Jared a lot, elevate the play of them. Um, you know he's going to get his assists. You know he's going to be really reliable. He's going to take all the technical free throws. He's going to be super reliable from the line. Um, his shot comes and goes, but he, he's a much better spot-up shooter than he was when he was a, a little kid here. So I think for him it's just he has to be the leader. We talked about Ed Davis, but like he's the second, I think, oldest player on the team, but he's the guy that's going to play. Like You listen yeah. to guys who are veterans, but you also listen to guys who are playing. Um, and, yeah, He's the voice of that locker room. I, he's not making the most money, but like, he's the one that can tell Carl when he's wrong. He's the one that can tell D'Angelo he has to try harder. So, uh, and more than anything, he needs to be Ryan Saunders voice on the court. Like he's got to be the guy that keeps this thing glued together because they have so many offensive pieces that at times when it goes South, like against Memphis, it just looks bad. It looks like they have no sets, no plays, no rhythm. Rubio's got to be that kind of glue. He's going to have to, that, that's his role this year is the glue guy, um, both on and off the court. What do you, you don't yeah. think he starts, right? Like never, or no, I'm not uh, never, but, but not to begin with. Spot starter with injuries or yeah. COVID something. Yeah. Not, yeah, I don't think he's going to start. Um, so for me with him, uh, stats wise, just like hit 35% from deep again, like you did the first year in Utah and like you yeah. did in Phoenix last year, just like hit your open shots again. Um, and then just be who you are as a facilitator and just like someone running an offense, get your nine points a game, seven assists, like just be Ricky Rubio. Just don't see any regression. And then just help, like you said, lead the team, help develop Beasley, Russell, um, excuse me. Um, and then Anthony Edwards, 
Uh, the interesting thing to talk about Rubio a little bit. We talked about Edwards just got drafted. Probably it's probably been like four, a little bit over like four weeks now. But by the time he played his first game, it was like three weeks. Rubio came in that same day. That was the same. He's in the same situation as Edward. Obviously, he's been in the league, but the 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 system in Phoenix and the system in Utah is way different than the system in Minnesota. And the system in Minnesota now is like a complete 180 of what it was when Rubio was last year. Yep. They didn't have shooters in Ricky's last season in Minnesota. Let's just I'm just gonna run through this roster of who Rubio played with in 2016-17 his last year at the Wolves. Cole Aldrich, Nemanja Bielitsa, Omri Caspi, Gorgie Jang, Chris Dunn, Jordan Hill, Tyus Jones, Zach Levine, John Lucas the Third, Shabazz Muhammad, Adrian Payne, Ricky Rubio, Brandon Rush, Lance Stevenson, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, and Andrew Wiggins. So there's only one person. It's Carl Anthony Towns. So it's the only yep. guy that's still here. Completely different team, completely different system. So he's going to have to learn everyone. You right. Know, he doesn't know any of these guys. Maybe. No, I don't think he spent any time with Ed Davis and no. Utah even. So I don't think so, no. I don't think he's played with any of these guys before. So it's going to take him some time to adjust too. Everybody's going to take time to adjust. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say. Kind of the same thing that you said too. Like that's just be Ricky Rubio, lead the team, um, be a constant, uh, you know, take care of the ball. He has, he does turn the ball over a little more than I would like. Um, but take care of the ball and just be, just be a steady player for this team. Uh, yeah, moving, moving down next guy would be Culver, I suppose, or Edwards. We'll go Culver first successful season from Culver. I'm going to just go quick. Cause we talked about him for a while, you know, knock down 34% of your shots, um, attack with purpose and just be confident, hit your free, th- like 70% free throws and just like play that point of attack defense because before he was much more of a Robert Covington type defender, like passing lanes and everything. Yeah, yeah. So if he still has that coupled with on ball point of attack defense, that's encouraging. So that's my quick take on Culver. I don't have much else to say because I wrote a whole piece about him. Um, and that was, that was a good piece. By the way. I thought you broke him down really well. I would just trying to give you tangible things here. I would say for Jarrett Culver, a successful season for him would be, one most improved vote. So like I know your Beasley, your Beasley yeah. take was a good one, but I think Beasley's already pretty good. And, yeah. and again, if you believe in the narrative thing, I think he's already behind the eight ball with some of the offseason stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Jarrett Culver can win a lot of people. I mean, Jarrett Culver is the type of guy who wins most improved, right? Because he was a quote unquote bust his rookie year, and now he could like maybe work his way up to be the starting small forward for the team. And that's so, my other that's my other successful thing too. Make Ryan Saunders pick between you and a Kogi for that third or for again, that, that starting yeah. spot. And if if this team is going to have the best the best starting lineup, I think Jarrett is in the starting lineup. Because again, I think he has a higher ceiling. So if you can continue to show what you showed uh in the preseason and every night they throw you at Jimmy Butler. They throw you I mean some of these are huge mismatches still cuz he's so young, right. but you have to go guard Katie. And then tomorrow, but, but, you have but to a guard. Kogi's young too. 
right, Kobe right, right, is only right. a couple years older or a year older. So like our best offenders are, what are they? Josh Kogi is, he was born in 1998. So he's like 22 years old. Jared Culver right. is 21 years old. It's gonna right. like, so, I mean, it's gonna, Kevin Durant's gonna be a mismatch for either of those two. Right. But like, yeah, I think that's a good point too. A successful season from Culver is where Saunders feels comfortable giving him that assignment instead of giving a Kogi that assignment every single night. Right. And and I think the difference between Jarrett and Josh is that you, there's that one play in the preseason, I think it was against Memphis, where Jarrett drove into the lane, went right right behind his back and then kind of finished. That's not just that's not something Josh does. So Josh yeah. is a good defender too, but like if Jarrett can also defend the way Josh does, but then also go get you a bucket in a starting lineup. That's huge, man, because you're not just relegating him to the corners. You're saying you can slash and cut. You can get us an, get us a bucket when we need one. So uh, he needs to be in the most improved conversation. He probably won't win it. It's kind of hard. Right. But um, he needs to take a leap because yeah. he showed it. But he was pretty bad <laughs> last year. And he him being good is changes the whole forecast of what I think about this team. Not this year, but like in 2021, 2022. Yeah. He's – a tangibly good starting small forward wing player that's starting to, he has like 9 million miles to get to Jalen Brown. But if he can like make yeah. that leap and then maybe another leap, that would be huge. Yeah. And I agree totally. If he's, yeah, if he turns into where next season for sure, like he's played so well this year, develops even more next season to where he, he is your starting small forward, they'll question. I think yeah. that'd be important. It is interesting though, looking at the team and you're like, Okay, if all these guys improve, who does start like next year? Like, right? Is it Beasley? Is it Edwards? Is it Akogi? Is it Culver? There's only two spots for those guys, and who like who starts where? But that's a topic for a different time. We'll move down. Next one um, would be Edwards. So, um, I guess you you go you go ahead and start with Edwards, and then then I will fill in whatever you don't touch on. It would it would just be um, as best as possible. Every single game is in drive. And by that, I mean, every single game is moving forward. You see a little more progression. You see a little, not, it doesn't have to be highlights. That's, that's, yeah. that's the thing we're getting lost in the sauce here is that like LaMelo Ball has had some great highlights. Watch the Charlotte games. He has had probably more struggles than Ant has. Yeah. And again, let's give these guys a couple of years before we judge them. But yeah, no. He's been showing the highlight of that crazy pass, but that's it. But they're not showing how really good Anthony Edwards defended Luca or hit shots. So you just don't want to see Ant get to game 25 and he's starting to regress, <laughs> you know, they, or he's stuck in neutral. You want to see him just be moving forward, progressing, learning how to, he doesn't know how to play basketball, dude. And that's not yeah. on him. He's just never played <clears throat> competent basketball as a teammate. Mm-hmm. Georgia, that wasn't it. AAU is a joke. Like yeah. he needs to know how to play competent basketball and defend. And I think he's doing that now. He's learning. Um, so yeah, it would just be that every every game you see a little bit more from him. This is his rookie season. I don't expect much, but by game sixty five, it'd be nice to know if this guy is the future, <laughs> yeah. for better or worse. Like, is he the second best player on the team? Because I think that's the only way they contend is if he's the second best player on the team down the road. Right. Yeah. Obviously. Um, so I would just I'm just gonna sign my name right underneath what you just said because I totally agree, and then I'm gonna write a little postscript. <laughs> and say continue being the best interview in the nba because 
like just keep that honesty, keep that transparency and just be himself. Cause God, listening to it just seems like every week, every couple times a week, all of a sudden something he says is just like resonating with Wolves fans. And like there was the Marnie Gellner thing where she asked him about his dogs and he said that he, he loves dogs and lions, but he just, he got the dog because he didn't have a house to get the lion. Not that right. he didn't say anything about it's tough to get the lion. He just said he didn't have the house for it. And it's just like, it's like a fun loving guy that like you'd love to just have around. So I just like that from like covering the team standpoint of just cool to have a guy like that. The Wiggins comps are so bad. So bad. I just watched a video last night and it was like the, I don't remember the word they use, but basically like the scary similarities between Anthony Edwards and Andrew Wiggins. And I was like, I don't, I don't pretend to be a basketball like pure, like analyst as some of the other guys, like you yourself included, like that understand kind of the X's nose a little more. But when I watch them, I don't see it. I don't. And I have had the benefit of going into that locker room after some games and covering the game. Dude, that's not how Andrew Wiggins talks. Andrew right. Wiggins was there to just give you – he showed up. He put a smile on his face. He did media. But you asked questions, and he gave you stale bread answers, and then he left the arena. That's not what Anthony Edwards is, man. And for people that are like, he says all the right things. You know how hard that is at 19? He should yeah. be saying all the wrong things. He doesn't he, have that coaching to say the right things yet. He's right. He's barely been in the lead. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm with you, though, man. Just keep talking, Edwards. Like, please interview that guy once a week. Let him just say a bunch of crazy stuff. He seems like he's so passionate about life, and it's yeah. intoxicating for me. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll just throw one more thing, too. Just be, be in the relative conversation of rookie of the year. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. He's probably – it's going to be a stretch for him to win it because he's on a team with a lot more talent. But just – don't don't let people be calling you a bust after this season. Yeah. Yeah, top five. You're right. Because like I said, again, narrative. Lamelo Ball. Even, maybe even, yeah, like Lamelo's going to have it. Obi Toppin could if he like balls out in New York just because there's not yeah. a lot of talent around him. Um, Wiseman, maybe if he's the starting center on a Golden State team that all of a sudden is better than people think they're going to be if they're like a top four seed somehow or something. Like Wiseman might get some love there. Um, and then there's other guys that like Isaac Okoro's look really good or Killian Hayes balls out because he's on a bad team. There's those guys, but just be in that conversation where people aren't like, yeah, he had, he was on a bad, bad team and he still looked bad. Like, it's, a, it, it's kind of impossible for him to win it. <laughs> like, I think so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're gambling, like he's, it, if you take him to win it, you might as well just bet more money on the over because if he wins rookie of the year, that means the team won 35 games minimum. Yeah, just if because, he wins rookie of the year, the Timberwolves probably are locked into at least the play-in game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, it's not anything other than just he's not going to be the guy who gets the first, second, third, or probably fourth amount of shots on the team yeah. right now. Whereas LaMelo Ball, by midseason, will probably just start and have mm-hmm. 35, 38 minutes a game, and he'll get a lot of assists. And that's cool. And that's fine. And and LaMelo Ball is probably going to win it because he, he's probably going to pull down a couple triple-doubles this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's already shown that he can rebound yep you only need to get to 10 points which when you have the ball in your hand all game long getting to 10 points it's not that difficult and then he can pass he i mean yep. he's probably gonna solidify himself as one of the better passers in the league by the end of the year just because he's really talented on that 
So, I mean, you get a couple of triple doubles as a rookie and like, boom, there's your rookie of the year case yep. made yep. for you. And Anthony Edwards isn't, I bet my life that he doesn't get a triple double this year. Right. But that's why you said, let him, which let, is fine. Yeah. Let LaMelo get triple doubles and let Wiseman have a, a nine block game for Edwards. Like be the most complete player. Rookie yeah. of the year means nothing. Like it, and do it, it on the other side of the ball. Like yeah, rookie of the year usually means you balled out on a really bad team. So like, go be the fourth best rookie of the year or whatever. But like, be thrown out on Luca a bunch of times, or be thrown out on you know Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Like, it, it's a long term play for him. So I'm with you. It's not he's not going to win it, but he can still show that he is the best rookie in the league. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next guy would be Wancho, backup power forward or starting power forward, whatever, however that works out. Um, I'll start with Wancho. Just prove that the Timberwolves paying $7 million for you was not a mistake. Like prove that what you showed on offense last year can be replicated and then just try on defense. You know, don't make it an easy decision to start Jake Lehman over you. Yep. Like make it tough. Make people eat their words about you getting overpaid. Um, I'm not overly discouraged from preseason just because he's had less time than about anybody on the team just because there's troubles with his visa coming back. And, you know, he didn't play for the beginning of training camp and everything. So I'm going to let him have a little bit of pass in that sense. But he hasn't looked good. And he needs to prove some people wrong this season because I think a lot of people jumped off the train with him. Um, one, because of the contract, and two, because he didn't play very good in the preseason. I, I think, I mean, you know this. You're you're tapped into Wolves Twitter. Like, no one has seen their stock drop more than him. He Agreed. is, like, kind of borderline hated by people. Um, I don't think he's that bad. I don't know in hindsight already if the $7 million was a great deal. I also just don't think he's going to be here long, long term. Yeah. I think that's the contract that's thrown into whatever type of deal you make down the road for an actual power forward. But but yeah, man, he's got he's to do the thing. He's got to help Carl just like everyone else on the roster that's not named D'Angelo. Like, you got to rebound, man. You got to not be a complete sieve on defense. You got to mm-hmm. be able to hit shots. Um, and I think it'll work. I, I think he's a good shooter. I just, I think he too didn't play basketball this summer. He shot a movie. You brought it up the visa thing. He's been in Minneapolis for like 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> like he just needs a little time to, to get his shot back. But yeah, I, I, and I think he'll spot start. He'll play some power forward over Jake in starting lineups, but um, he is my least favorite player on the roster. That's not, it just, it just is. I just don't love, I'd rather have different types of guys in that spot and that. Salary. Yeah. And I, and that's understandable, but. I don't think he's as bad as people have made him out no, to be. No, 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 um, Last starter, or last bench guy, I get not bench guy, but last rotation guy, Nas Reed. Um, you go ahead with Nas first. I just think be a competent backup center. Um, I think he's already a value because he makes very little money. Um, and the Wolves got him on that, as Dane calls it, that Gupta special. Um, yep. He's already a steal. I just think, can you continue to develop? I mean, again not to beat a dead horse, but he has made leaps and bounds from when he came into the league from LSU, highly touted high school kid. LSU was a problem. He was out of shape and now he's in great shape and he's got a good stroke and he can block, you know, he can defend the paint a little bit and he sets good screens and he moves his feet well, which is what you yeah. want. Um, so just be a really competent backup center. And if we're talking about tangible things, make Ryan 
not play Ed Davis. Yeah, you know I mean? that's like, kind of what mine was going to be. Just like prove that you're good enough on offense and solid enough on defense that we don't need to bring in Ed Davis. Yep. And so that's kind of with Nas Reed. I don't have a ton else to say. Just, yeah, hit your shots. He shot 33% last year. Do that at least again. Um, and, yeah, just keep in shape. That'd be successful for him too. Um, I want to rapid fire through okay. the, the other guys because um, they will see some time probably at some point. Okay. Um, so we'll just run through some of those guys. So we'll start with McDaniels. What's your quick answer to successful season for Jaden McDaniels? Uh, realistically, ball out in the G League. Like, I, I don't think that guy is ever going to sniff the court. Not in a bad way. I I don't know if I've said this to you before, but yeah, you have. We've talked about him last time. Six memories from preseason, like six plays. Like, dude, that guy is so long. Like, I I think Jaden McDaniels, and I take all Timberwolves bias away. I think Jaden McDaniels is the guy that when you redraft, when we write our redraft in three years, is like the guy that goes seventh. Like, he has everything you want in a player, like his length and his ability to shoot and his ability to handle. I love that guy. I don't think he's going to sniff minutes ever. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think mine for him is play in the G League well. Yep. And put on some put on some muscle. Yeah. And that's partially for the offseason because a lot of the the muscle gaining comes, you know, in the offseason because they don't lift as much much during season. But those would be mine for him. Um, Another guy, I oh, I guess Jordan McLaughlin. Can't forget about him because he's a guy that will see time on the court. So we should probably talk about him quick too. Um, for me, I'll start with him. Uh, just fill in nicely to where if Rubio goes down, the Timberwolves don't drastically dip in production on the court. And, yeah, prove, yeah. and prove that you deserve a guaranteed contract in the league. Yep. Do what you did last year. Just if, if yeah, Jordan just be that guy. Yep. The exact same production as last year. He will get paid what he finally deserves in 2021, and he will be a massive asset to this team because you can never have enough ball handlers, as we saw with like the Miami Heat run and stuff. Like you just need as many guys that can create for others as possible. Um, so do the exact same thing you did last year, and you'll you'll get paid finally. All right, and then we'll move on. We'll do Ed Davis quick because he's a guy that could also see some minutes. Um, I think for him, just. Be a good defender when you do get into the game. Just be a good defender. Um, and make it hard for them not to play you behind Cat some nights. Yep. Be steady. Be yeah, steady. Just be steady. You're, you're, you're a vet. Uh, Got to be able to come in. Because, you know, here's the thing. We talked about Carl's defense. He's going to have a night where he has five fouls with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Right. It's still going to happen as he matures and grows. So help them be steady. Come in there and be like, any night you need me, I'm ready. Like you said, I think he's going to get DNPs sometimes, maybe a lot. Yeah. But you, if you DNP four games in a row and you're a vet, but on game five they say get in there, you got to be ready. And that's what vets do. So just be, be a steady force, be ready, and also help the young guys because this team is so young, man. So like young. 12 of the 15 or 13 of the 15 guys are like under 30. Like, right. or under 26 even. So it's like they need they need guys in the locker room that can help them out. Uh, next guy we'll do Jared Vanderbilt. What are your I thoughts there? I don't have anything it's, to say. It's hard to define because he's not going to get minutes, um, I guess, 
I mean, he might get minutes, you know, if they need, you know, somebody goes down or something, but I don't, I don't have any work, work on that jump shot. Like, remember like, when we like messaged and tweeted throughout the summer, each other and stuff. And we're like, cause we're bored and we're thirsty. And we're like, you know, Jared Vanderbilt might be the starting power forward for this team. Like yeah, I, he's not going to play. And then it's like the preseason, like he was like coming in. Didn't look good. Jamie Daniels, like, yeah. There's and reason. I don't, I still have a lot of hope for him, but I don't have much I, to say about him. Um, my successful season for him would be like, if you like working on that jump shot and like calming down a little bit, cause I think he gets a little out of control at times. Um, but I don't have much to say about him. Yeah. I just, I, it'd be, it'd be great if he can ever play. I mean, a successful season yeah. for him is if he's getting any sort of NBA caliber minutes, because again, yeah. even though he doesn't have this stud power forward, they have a lot of guys are going to throw ahead of him. So if he's like, getting eight to 10 minutes that's a good sign for him because he was a dnp every night in denver um noel Jalen noel you shoot first uh ju- i mean just literally you don't have to do any other thing <laughs> other than what you did in the preseason if you can just be that i mean he looked really good he looked the game this is so cliche but like the game slowed down for him he was like right. around screens a little like slower rather than faster. Um, I thought he looked really good. Again, it's a numbers game. So I imagine he is still going to sniff some G league time because yeah. of how many people they have on the roster. But uh, I really liked him. He was a big fan or people were a big fan of him coming out of Washington last year. And then he had a weird contract negotiation. Yeah, he didn't sign forever. It took like right. a long time. And that probably halted his development a little bit, but, uh, I've liked what I've seen from him. He's, he, I'm not going to say he's Malik Beasley light, but I mean, he, he, you can never have enough shooting, you know, ball yeah, handling and shooting. Right. So um, again, he's like Jared Vanderbilt. Can you make Ryan play you? Um, I, and I would say like, yeah, like challenge, challenge McLaughlin for that third. Yeah. Guard, that third guard job. I would yep. say like challenge him and maybe he probably won't win that challenge, but like, like try and be that guy. And I think that's, very possible and he's um, bigger than buff you know? yeah like Probably he has more NBA size yeah right yep yeah for sure um last guy we probably don't have much to say about him um the other two-way ashton Hagens. i have <laughs> i mean this with all due respect i have nothing to say about him <laughs> like yeah. i don't know like i uh, do I, I think it, i think i've heard from you specifically he's like a good defender he is a good defender, but he's he's limited to just being a guard defender. And the thing with him, I would say, is it's going to take a lot for him to get any minutes at the NBA level. Yeah. Because you have four guys, four or five guys you would probably give point guard minutes to before Haggins. You have yep. Rubio, Russell, McLaughlin, Noel, and probably Culver would get point guard minutes before yep. Ashton Haggins. Yep. Um, so I don't have much to say about him. And, and again, he, he, again, he still he would still – crush every pickup game that you and I ever have been to. Oh yeah. Like, like, yeah, like he's a good we'll basketball play. player, but yeah. But yeah. I, I hope he gets some good G league time. I hope he's like our Jordan McLaughlin of 2020, 2021, like develop him, get him on the roster for next season. Yep. And then the, the only other guy with guaranteed money on the, on the books is Cole Aldrich. Um, successful season for him is probably just, you know, waking up every day yeah. and just, just cash doing his, whatever he does. I don't know what he's doing, but. I think this is the last season with his money on the books too. Um, I just kind of joking around there, but 
yeah, so that was, I guess, every all 14 players plus both two-way guys. I think we touched on them all. I hope I'm not missing any. Um, so, so I had a question for you that I written down. So, like, to kind of sum this all up and kind of bring this pod <laughs> to a close. Yep. You, we, we, you and I had, like, an infamous Optimist podcast, right, before yeah, the preview started. Um, yep. And then stuff kind of went awry, but then they did win that third game, and it was really exciting. But, like you said, too, it wasn't the greatest first half for the Wolves. Um, right. Do you still feel the same you did when we talked two weeks ago in terms of long-term optimism and kind of everything you're thinking about this season? So you might not call me crazy for saying this, but some other people might. I feel more optimistic after watching oh, the like, preseason. I like that take. That's awesome. And, and let me tell you why. I expected to see for some struggles. You know, I expected that going into the preseason. I thought Cap might not look good offensively because he's rusty. Yeah. I didn't expect, and I and I wrote in my piece too, I was blindly hopeful that Culver would be good this year, but I didn't expect to see what I saw defensively, and I didn't expect him to make all 10 of his free throws, so that pushes my optimism even, even higher. Yep. Anthony Edwards' flashes were better than I thought they would be this early, which makes me more optimistic that we could see more from him early on than we thought. Yep. And I didn't expect anything from Jalen Noel. Yep. And we got a lot more than I thought from him. Yep. Plus McLaughlin's back, which pushes my optimism even more because I was convinced he wasn't coming back anymore. I didn't think he was going to be on the team anymore because I didn't think there was any way he would end up back in a two-way. And in hindsight, I should have thought, like, he was just so limited. Like, he always was going to be back here. Yeah. But I kind of had lost that in my mind, especially with – um, Hollis Jefferson getting the last roster spot, we thought. So I'm more optimistic now than I was when we talked, which is crazy to say. I like that. But at I, that point, I, we I, hadn't seen Culver look better. We hadn't seen a Kogi's jumper look smoother. We hadn't seen any of that stuff. So I'm more optimistic now. I I love that. That's why I wanted to ask you. I would say the most the most the biggest question mark going into the season will just be, and you, I think, are really locked in on this but if you just go to like your espn app or whatever and you look at the schedule the wolf schedule is so brutal to start like the yeah. first 10 games like yes they kick things off against the pistons but then they go on a quick three-game road trip to the jazz lakers and clippers there's a chance they get spanked in all those they do come home for the wizards and then they have a couple nuggets a trailblazers two spurs two grizzlies like can they start three and seven but then pick up the pieces because it does get easier yeah. So like you get punched in the face and then respond because they're going to get punched in the face. <laughs> to push that back a little bit. If the Wolves somehow do go out there, so the first 10 games is Detroit, Utah, both LA teams, Washington, Denver, Portland, and then two San, San Antonio's and two Denver games in there too. But so that's the first 10. And I yep. tweeted this um, five days ago, basically just said, what would you be happy with through 10 games record wise? I, and the the most popular answer was three or four wins. Right. Yep. What if the Wolves win, you know, get hot, win six games, which is very unlikely. And you win six of those games in the toughest part of your schedule. 
you build some of that confidence up, it could really bode well. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to end up through those through those 10 games. I think we'll beat Detroit. I think we can beat San Antonio um, at least once. And I think we can beat Denver once. I think the Wolves, they always play pretty tight with Denver. Um, and I'm not as high on Denver um, as a lot of people are. I think they got worse. Um, I don't, I see them I being, like that take you had. It was just a tweet, but like, you were like, I'm not very high on Denver. Cause I just don't my, see how, yeah. I think they're just betting too much on Michael Porter Jr. And I think that losing Grant and Plumlee is going to hurt them a lot more than people think it will. Jamichael yep. Green, I think they brought in, isn't going to be as good as Jeremy Grant is. Right. Bull, Bull, whoever else your backup centers are, like Miles Plumlee or Mace. Mason. One, of the, one of the nine. I don't remember. I think Mason yeah. Plumlee. Mason, yeah, I think it's Mason. Just he's just a solid player that really worked well with Jokic and behind Jokic. Yep. So I'm just not huge on them. I, don't get me wrong; they're a playoff team. It'll be really fun to watch. But like, if they're the sixth seed, I'm not going to be as surprised as somebody else is. Right. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you. I, I I don't I don't see six wins in that first ten. Just I don't think so either. Teams are so. It's not even contenders. It's like the contenders. Like it's the Jazz, the Clippers, or the, sorry, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Lakers are like the three top projected teams in the West. So, and it's all on the road yeah. uh, early on. So, like, that's going to be tough. So, that's why I'm more like, hey, if you start three and seven, can you pick yourself up? Yeah, dude, if they start six and three, let's go. Like, we'll be having lots of podcasts. My, my thought is, I don't want to like chalk up Detroit as a win because I am not a guy to guarantee anything. But if they could easily beat Detroit, Utah is good. But Carl Anthony Towns always plays really well against Utah because he has to bring Rudy Gobert out or Rudy doesn't come out to him and Cat has a monster game. I could see the Timberwolves winning that game. I don't see them winning against either LA team unless unless LeBron rests yeah. after playing two games earlier in that week. Maybe it's not going to be nationally televised. LeBron might need some rest after playing in the bubble, and they might think that the Timberwolves are a team that they could rest LeBron against. Yeah, more than anything, can you just look more like the Mavericks game where you looked competitive? I mean, they were they were within yeah ten points for most yeah. of the game. Yeah, um, and Dallas is an elite offense, but I just I just I don't it would. The only thing that'll dishearten me, like they can start three and seven. I'm okay. The only yeah. thing that'll dishearten me is if if they come back and they're three and seven in that Lakers Clippers like Nuggets game, like they got blown out by twenty each night. Like they looked like they yeah. did against that Grizzlies because the Grizzlies again, they're they're well coached, but they're short on the talent scale compared to what they're going to face out west in right. Denver and Portland and stuff. So just gel, you know. Like game ten, are you looking better than you did game one? Um, that's For sure. The- for them so but yeah that schedule's brutal but it does open up man i'm with you i think they can be feisty and and then, then we'll see i'm just glad they're back yeah no i am too and it's gonna be fun we got some fun matchups it's gonna be interesting to see who guards blake griffin on yep. wednesday it's gonna be it's gonna be great we're gonna see and then in back-to-back games we're gonna see cat versus gobert and then cat versus probably anthony davis because you're not guarding anthony davis with jake layman i'm sorry it's not gonna happen right. Cat's right. gonna have that assignment, and Cat actually typically plays pretty well against AD. Yep. Um. So it'll be interesting to see that one, and then, uh, then we have other fun teams coming to town: the Clippers, 
uh, Russell Westbrook with the Wizards. Jokic comes, we play in Denver, and then Jokic comes to Minnesota. That'll be a fun matchup. Portland's going to be fun. See old friend Robert Covington. And then San Antonio back-to-back at home. So, yeah, the schedule's tough to start out with, but we could be really encouraged if they just look good. Yeah, but, I mean, well, however the Wolves will look, it's going to be good basketball. Yeah. Because they play teams that are clicking and mm-hmm. are expected or, you know, are picked to win the fi- the, the finals. Yeah, so. and if they win any of those games against Denver or the Clippers or the Lakers, then then you can be optimistic about that. It's like they have the ability to play with those teams. Yep, I so, agree. But anyways, I think we've been going for, I don't know, two. I might have to split this this one up into two podcasts. We'll see. Um, we might, right do, we might if, if the Wolves are good this year, Brendan and I will do a 24-hour podcast. Yeah, we, if the we'll Wolves, forever. If, they, if they're six seed or higher. We will do a 24-hour podcast. We will live stream on YouTube 24 <laughs> straight hours talking about the Timberwolves. Um, but yeah, thank you, Kyle, for coming on. Like I said, Absolutely. this might be split up into two podcasts and maybe one comes out. Um, one's going to definitely come out Tuesday and maybe the second half is might come out uh, Wednesday before the game. But either way, thank you, Kyle, for coming on. It, it was a lot of fun. We're definitely, we're definitely going to talk again relatively soon. We're going to have real Timberwolves basketball that we can actually take things from that is not preseason, which is huge. Um, and we'll see if we can continue to be optimistic throughout this year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, yeah. And everyone that's listening to this, subscribe to this podcast. It's You're doing a great job. It's really fun. I know your goal is to have more of these throughout the season and more consistent. So um, I love what you do. Great work. And let's hope we get together in like a couple weeks again and, and we're five and five because that would be great. Yeah, I appreciate that, Kyle. Yeah, so if you guys would, wouldn't mind liking, subscribing to any of your favorite podcast platforms, I would greatly appreciate that. Again, thank you, Kyle, for coming on. It's always fun to talk. Um, like we said, you'll be back relatively soon. Um, make sure to follow Kyle on Twitter as well. It's Kyle at Kyle Tige, which is uh, K-Y-L-E-T-H-E-I-G-E. So make sure you follow him there. Follow the, uh, the Wolf Among Wolves podcast on Twitter, the blog. Read everything everybody's doing. Um, but yeah, for the millionth time, thank you, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Yep. So that was my conversation with Kyle Tiger. We just broke down a successful season for the Timberwolves and what that might look like. Now we're going to transition into my conversation with Sham. Talk about the Pistons versus the Timberwolves in tonight's NBA season opener. Here's my conversation with Sham. All right, so Sham is here to talk Detroit Pistons, Minnesota Timberwolves opening night basketball. Um, obviously, Sham is a Pistons fan, but he is also a part of the Wolf Among Wolves team. So I kind of wanted to do this when I had the opportunity to talk to someone against who the Timberwolves are, or from the fan base of who the Timberwolves are playing. I kind of want to do that, get a kind of a preview of what how they see the game versus how I see the game. Mm-hmm. And I guess my first big question is just, what are you expecting from um that this game from both teams um for the wolves i want to see how like what the starting lineup looks like because i know they just got rid of uh ronda hollis jefferson and he to me was either the best power forward on the team or up there 
And I, I want to see how Jake Lehman defends uh, Blake Griffin. <laughs> and so right. that's, that's a pretty tough matchup to, to start the season with, especially with Blake being like healthy and getting the most rest in an offseason that he's had his whole career. Long, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Because like, you know, this offseason has been so long for the Pistons. Um, um, I'm, I'm interested to see the D'Angelo Russell-Killian Hayes matchup. That should be fun. Uh, yeah, so Killian Hayes has been like projected to be like at least an average defender, or some have said, like some say with his body type and his arm length, they think he's going to be an above average defender. And this would be a good like welcome to league moment for him because D'Lo can is a bucket, right. and um, you know it'll be interesting to see if he can limit him to under twenty points. I don't think he can, but it'll be interesting to see that. Um, and the last thing I'm looking forward to is what the Pistons have for a starting lineup because I think that's also in flux. You know, Killian Hayes will be starting at point guard. Um, Blake Griffin starting at power forward. Mason Plumlee likely starting at center. Um, the two wing spots are where they have the most questions right now. Um, you have to think that Grant is starting somewhere. If the, after they just paid twenty so, million, you would you would assume he would start somewhere, right? Right. So Grant will probably start at the three, but it's that shooting guard spot and who comes off the bench first in that wing spot is really what I'm looking forward to. Because um, at some point, Blake will come <laughs> off the four and Grant will slide to the four, and then now there's two wing spots that have to be eaten up. So a couple options like Svi Mikhailuk is a sniper. He may start right. at two. He may come off the bench. Um, like uh, Wayne Ellington also ha- is a veteran who's been part of the team. Josh Jackson has been filling it up this preseason. DeLon Wright, do you think DeLon Wright has a chance? I, I would say if they're going to go with the veteran starting route, I would say like DeLon probably has the best chance of starting because Casey likes starting vets and then having rookies earn their, right. earn their minutes. Um, so yeah, I think Delon Wright probably is the most likely to start, but you never know. He had a pretty meh preseason, and Josh Jackson like really had an impressive one. So maybe you can upset him and start over him. But it's a lot of questions on that spot. Yeah, and I've been trying to figure it out too, just for my own sake, trying to see who is going to start for Detroit. Because for Minnesota, it's going to be Rubio's not going to start. It's going to be Russell. It's going to be Beasley. I'm guessing a Kogi, even though Culver looked really good in the preseason. And then one of Juan Hernan Gomez or Jake Lehman, and then Carl Anthony Towns. But for the Pistons, like you said, those wing spots are definitely going to be interesting. Do you think there's any way Blake Griffin starts at the center spot, knowing that the Pistons are going up against a team that runs a smaller power forward? Do you think there's any chance Blake will match up with Cat and then Grant will be at the four? I don't think so. I... I think the one thing that the Pistons were good at in previous matchups with the Wolves is that they used to throw Drummond at Cat, and Drummond used to do a really good job against Cat. Like just a big body, right. defensive minded guy, grabs a lot of rebounds, physical player. I think when you throw Blake you get up against Cat, Cat has a lot of advantages. First being height. And right. I think Blake isn't as mobile as he used to be, at least laterally on the defensive end. <clears throat> um, so I worry about the defensive potential of that. But I think Plumlee is decent. Like I think I think Plumlee will be a decent starter. He has experience facing Cat many times in his yep. career. He guarded Cat a lot when when Denver when him and Jokic would share the floor, he would guard Cat yeah. quite a bit. So Jokic didn't have to 
um, play more defensively on the perimeter. And I actually like Mason Plumlee a lot more than a lot of people do. I think it's a bigger loss for Denver than people are really giving it credit for. And I I actually don't think it was as bad of signing as a lot of people thought it was for the Pistons. So I'm interested to see how well he plays in like a full-time starting role. My presumption is he starts and then Grant will be at the three and Griffin will be at the four. But I just, I don't, I'm not in tune with Pistons basketball as much. So I was just interested to hear your take on that. And and Plumlee is probably the most fresh. I mean, Plumlee and Grant are going to be the most fresh coming into the season because they played in the bubble. They played deep in the playoffs. So like they're going to be more fine tuned than say like Blake Griffin is off the get even though he looked pretty good in the preseason or, you know, or Derek Rose even, or, you know, like all these players have had such long off seasons now jumping into the season, um, like in this, you know, this weird year, um, it's going to affect them more than it would like Mason Plumlee or Grant. Yeah. And they kind of had like, their off season was closer to normal than a lot of people's because they, like the time they had off between the Western conference finals and like the first game it's like closer to a normal off season than like what the Timberwolves had where the Timberwolves had a really, really long off season. And then like the Lakers and heat were pushing like a really short one. Cause they went a few extra weeks than like Denver did. So right. Plumlee and Grant should, they shouldn't be too worn out, but they shouldn't be too rusty either. So I right. think they're in a pretty good position to, to play, even though Grant didn't look good for, in the preseason from my understanding, at least not a couple of those games. Are you worried about that at all? I, I am worried about it, especially at the price that Grant signed for. Like at that at, at that price, I feel like you really need to like, like he said, like he 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 signed with the Pistons to like expand his offensive game, which is expand his game, take that next step. You know, being a twenty six year old player, like you have right. to like, okay, start to get more opportunities. You can't be a bench player the rest of your career if that's what you expect yourself to be. So at twenty million per year, you are going to be taking a lot more shots. You're going to be doing a lot more defensively. And he didn't look good in the preseason, but I think he didn't look good because he was trying to do too much. Yeah. And it's just a total – he's just playing with a bunch of new people that he's just never played with before, which is as much as people want to say, like, oh, they're pros, they should get it right away. It's just not – it's not realistic. Um, The Timberwolves are kind of in the same situation where a lot of the new guys haven't played – with Carl Anthony Towns much. Um, but do you think Plumlee then guards Carl Anthony Towns for while they're on the floor together? Do you I think, think so. that, but do you, I just have the feeling that there's going to be times that they're just going to be okay with um, Griffin taking him one time or Grant taking him one time because those three guys have the size close to the size to guard Carl Anthony Towns. All of them are, you know, six, nine, I guess, how to yeah grant 68 um plumley 611 so it'll be interesting to see how cat handles it because i feel like he will get different looks from those three people mm-hmm. my my worry is who's going to guard blake griffin for the timberwolves yeah jake layman if it's jake layman <laughs> if it's jake layman you're probably going to see a lot more of blake just working in the post yep um which might allow cat to kind of help because Plumlee's not going to be as big of offensive threat, but Plumlee's a solid cutter and he's really athletic where cat's going to have to have his eye on him at all times. And the only other option I can think of is putting cat on Griffin, which I don't think is going to happen or like 
throwing Josh Akogi on him and just trying to use Akogi's strength, even though he's way smaller than Griffin, just use that like strength and tenacity to kind of throw Griffin off in the perimeter. That's well, the only other thought. Cause, cause I think the wolves could survive with some of their other wing players guarding, like whoever's playing the two, if it's FEMA Kai Luke or whoever it is, or Jeremy Grant, they'll survive with Beasley kind of running against those guys. And maybe a Kogi can shift up and Jake yeah. Lehman could guard those guys. Cause he'd be more fit to guard like a FEMA Kai Luke than a Blake Griffin. But also, how long do you want to run six foot four Josh Akogi against six nine, two hundred and fifty pound Blake Griffin? Well, it's just not going to work, and and I and I'll tell you why. It's because Blake is more than just a bully in the post. He has right, yeah, his game to get others involved, and he's also been like a really good shooter over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, so Blake Griffin today so much different than Clippers Lob City Blake Griffin, right. where you can't just have somebody to stop him in the post you also need somebody that's gonna be outside you know guarding him on the perimeter and that's why i don't think cat's gonna get that assignment at all well, because cat's mobile for a big but not as much defensively as he is offensively right yeah and so i think this will be a game where like i mean i could see it happening where this could be a game where blake puts up something like 20 points almost 10 assists something like that but the pistons still lose right because Blake cannot be the sole offense. Like, he, he can't be the sole source of offense for the entirety of a game. Um, and I just don't think the talent on the team is good enough <clears throat> at the moment to be able to win this game. Because also, you have to remember, like, the Wolves, the Wolves more or less are bringing back the same people that they brought last year with the, with right. the positions, you know. At and, the end of the year, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Pistons have completely overturned their roster. I think only like Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, and Seku, and Svi are the people that are there from last year. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but yeah, I'm looking at the roster and no other names are jumping out to me. So I think that I think that's right. Yeah, or at least the rotation players that are going to be actually right. Um, so it's it's like it's going to be a learning curve for the Pistons to actually get to be like a decent team. I could see them really struggling in the first couple games of the season, just trying to figure out how to play basketball together. I know all these guys are good. Like Mason Plumlee is good. Jeremy Grant is good. Blake Griffin is good. Derrick Rose is good. But it's like you put all those pieces together and you try and win games with it with rookies thrown in and people who are unproven, like Josh Jackson, who has been bounced around from team to team, trying to figure out how to play basketball. When you have all these variables in play, I don't think they can win win games right off the get. Yeah, and the Timberwolves have a little bit of that. Most of those guys played together for those 12, 14 games after the trade deadline, but a lot of them didn't play with Cat, so there's going to be a learning curve there too, which is makes me a little bit worried of, you know, the Pistons could sneak in and win this game if Derrick Rose, because Derrick Rose can just get a bucket pretty much whenever he mm -hmm. wants to, and if Griffin plays good, if Jeremy Grant plays well, and then Killian Hayes, if he's matched up on, D'Angelo Russell for 20 minutes in this game, he's going to be able to get his fair share too. Um, but that's a matchup that I'm really, you mentioned that earlier, but I'm really interested to see how that matchup goes because those two players, Killian's been compared to D'Angelo Russell throughout the draft process. And I don't think it's close to a like totally 100% accurate comparison, but there are the similarities to where they both mm -hmm. are left-hand dominant players who like to go to the left. Um, and they're similar body size. So that's a matchup 
that I really think will kind of define, you know, this game. I think that's going to be a big part of this game and what hap- what the outcome of this game is. I could easily see them both putting 20 points on each other's head. Yeah. Like I totally could see that too. Like D'Angelo Russell struggles on defense and Killian Hayes like could very well come out the gate like just nuclear, just shooting really well. Like he 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 shut off a few like moves in the preseason that really intrigued me like some of his off the dribble like step backs um that I that I think Delo would struggle with going to the rim, finding cutters, finding shooters. He's pretty savvy with the ball. I, I actually I understand the Delo comparison, but I actually like the and this is like a real big stretch, the James Harden comparison. Not in terms of like just not <laughs> right the shot, but just the style of play. Yeah. I, I see that more than I see Delo. Um but yeah, I, I I just don't I don't know if like either can defend either very well. Yeah, and the only thing they have going for each other is like I said, they're both like both six five. Is that how tall yeah, he is? Five, yeah. yeah, and that's like the same size that Delo is. Um Delo's okay if he's like man to man on you. He's not good in pick and roll, but if it's like an isolation situation and he just has to stay in front of you, he'll do okay. Um he gets lost in a lot of situations where um somebody's cutting or something off ball he's just not good that's where he really gets lost and then pick and roll defense he's not good either um i wouldn't be surprised if the timberwolves throw him at something where malik beasley plays defense on killian hayes and then d'lo stays on someone like um whoever else is starting at the two whether it's i don't know josh jackson or fema kylo but the only the only thing i'm scared about it if it is fema kylo D'Lo is going to lose him. If Fee's coming off screens and spotting up and not on ball, that's where D'Lo is going to get lost. So maybe D'Lo does guard Killian because Killian's going to be more of an on ball type player where D'Lo can just focus on that and not really have to, you know, try and look at the ball. And cause he gets lost just gazing at the ball all the time. Yeah. So that's why I think he's going to probably match up more um, on Killian Hayes. Usually the Wolves try to, try to hide D'Angelo Russell on like the worst player between like the one, two and three, sometimes even a four, if it's a small ball four. but I don't think that he's going to get hidden on Jeremy Grant because that's not a good matchup at all. So I think it's going to default to him guarding Killian Hayes. I think also like not to change topics, but one, one like wild card that we haven't talked about enough in all of this is that, Derrick Rose coming off the bench. I don't know if the Wolves have an answer for him. Luckily, Ricky Rubio will be the guy that probably will play defense on him. And Ricky's a smart defender. He's not, like, the best athlete. He's not um, the quickest. But he is smart. He, and he's then, an underrated guy, and I actually like yeah. him a lot. And then Jarrett, and then, um, Jarrett Culver has looked really good in the, in the preseason. I don't know what the matchup's going to look like off the bench, but the, you could maybe see him going out there and guarding uh, Derrick Rose. He did a good job against John Morant in one of the preseason games. Um, but, but, yeah, Derrick, Derrick Rose is probably yeah, – he could easily light up for 30 points off the bench well, he tomorrow could, night. He could light up or, like, he could be such an like an offensive like – he, he could command so much gravity from an offensive point right. of view on that bench unit where, like, now you get exposed by Sequidin Boya you know, cutting to the rim or you Sadiq Bay plays really well, or Josh Jackson plays, you know, like 
although right. you can shut down the one guy, you're going to need one or two or three people to shut him down. And now you leave holes open for other people. And I think like Derek Rose could easily distribute like to the people on the bench unit, especially since they're yeah. and cutting to the rim for a rookie is like the easiest thing in the world. It's an yeah. easy one to get involved in the offense and get buckets quickly. Yeah. And I had a, I had a season and plus uh, 10, 15 games, whatever Derek Rose played for the wolves to watch Derek Rose up close. And I saw how he did um, as a bench player because he was playing behind Jeff Teague. Um, and like Derrick Rose is going to be, you know, Derrick Rose and Ricky Rubio are probably two of the best four or five, um, backup point guards in the league, maybe even the best two. Um, so that matchup is going to be fun to see, um, Wednesday night too, because it's not often that the Timberwolves have had even one good point guard. So the Timberwolves now having two good point guards is like really encouraging. Mm-hmm. And the Pistons now have two good point. I mean, Killian Hayes is a rookie, but he's going to be a good point guard in this league. He was one yeah. of my favorite players coming out of the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just matchups all over the place that are interesting one way or another, maybe because they match up well against each other, or maybe because there's like total mismatches. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think is a player that Wolves fans might not think would be a solid player that might surprise us or might just, you know, like, like we might not be expecting this player to actually have a good game in Wednesday's Wednesday's game. Um, like it, Pistons fans will kind of like not like my answer because they know this guy is good, but I don't think the Wolves fans have seen enough of him because he has didn't really get playing time last year because he was so young. But Sekou Dumboya this preseason has looked super good, like a, just rim running, cutting, just. He looks like an like an NBA player in an NBA body. I think one of the criti- like one of the big criticism of him coming into the league was that you know he's a European player. He played a lot of finesse, wasn't as like built and strong. And at the wing position, right. you kind of need to be built and strong and defend at a high level. Um, and I think over the offseason, he really worked on his body, worked on his game, and now he's coming into this matchup. No, he, he came into the league or this this season. Um, just lighting it up in the preseason. And I don't know if the Wolves really have an answer for him on the second right. Yeah, um, no, and yeah. if he's coming – if he's if Seku's coming in off the bench as a four, mm-hmm. um, he's going to be guarded by probably Jake Lehman or Juan Tejerna Gomez, whichever one doesn't start. Um, maybe they'll throw Culver on him if there's no other – like, you know, Culver might – get that assignment if the Wolves aren't worried about who else the Pistons have. But I like second Dumboya. I saw the one preseason game. He dropped like 20 points in like, mm-hmm. what was like 15 minutes or something? Like he just looked really good. And yeah. that's encouraging too, because he was a player last year that I liked in the draft a lot. I wanted the Wolves to take a look at him because um, we need a power forward. Like that's been mm-hmm. our need for a long time. Mm-hmm next to Carl Anthony Towns. And I thought if he developed well, he would be a good player to play there. Yeah. Um, and I think this offseason, he probably worked really hard on his body and his game. And I think he'll actually have a really solid season for the, the Pistons off the bench. Did he play much last year at all? He played like minutes wise. He played sparingly, but like, if you remember, like the team was still trying to compete for right. the deadline. So like they, they didn't really play him all that much after they kind of cleaned house of the deadline. That's like kind of when he got more opportunities. 
but he was still like pretty raw and pretty young and he made a lot of mistakes as like a rookie which i don't like i i think he'll still make those mistakes but i think he'll also do a lot of positive on both ends of the floor um where that those mistakes become easier to swallow like turnovers for example he turned the ball over quite a bit last year and like just was out of place in a few spots so yeah, yeah. Um, another another forward on uh, the Pistons that I really like coming out of the draft was Sadiq Bay. I think he's the type of player where I think he's going to be a solid player like day one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think his ceiling's super high, um, but I think his floor is relatively high. I think he's going to be a really good shooter and then like a solid defender. Mm-hmm. What are, what is been your takeaway from Sadiq Bay throughout the preseason and just what you've seen maybe in like, I don't know if they have any workout videos or anything. Like what has been your take of him so far? I think you kind of nailed it. Like he'll just be like a three and D guy in the league. And I think right off the get like this season, I maybe don't expect him to be as refined offensively as people may expect, but I do expect him, especially in a Dwayne Casey led team to be a defensive guy. Like I think his role will be to come in and defend either the best player on the bench unit or the second best player on the unit on the, on the bench unit and do it successfully. And so yeah. he may not be where he needs to be. offensively. <laughs> I think he could definitely shut some people down on the bench unit. So, so do you think he comes in more as um, a small forward or a power forward in like the whole Probably landscape of the Pistons? Probably. A third. Yeah. And, and the Pistons are really interesting because they have like, you know, Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, um Sekudumboya, like those guys would play four more than mm-hmm. Sadiq Bay would. Um so I think for him to really get minutes, he's gonna have to be the backup three, which is fine. I think he I think he's pretty well suited to play either forward position in the NBA. Um he's gonna have, you know, some pros and cons for playing both positions. He's gonna be, you know, maybe half a step slow guarding some of the quicker threes. And he's maybe going to be a little bit too small guarding some of the bigger fours in the league, but yeah. um, you can off the bench you can match him up however you need on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. But he was a player that I really liked out of um, the draft, and I hope that the Timberwolves t- took him at seventeen and then we traded back. But he's someone I think that he could look really impressive at a lot of times this season. I think he could shoot almost 40% from three as a rookie. He shot like 45% last year um, at Villanova, and he just looked really, really solid. And players lately coming from Villanova have just been contributing players in the NBA, which is also uh, really encouraging for him. Yeah, Uh, agreed. So on Twitter, you were posting, I'm going to shift a little bit, you were posting hot takes for just teams, whatever anybody commented underneath of it. And I commented the Wolves. And you said, wait for the pot. So I want to hear what your hot take on the Wolves for this season is. I think, um, although, like, we just kind of, like, like kind of poo-pooed him earlier today, like, in this pod. But I actually do like Jake Lehman. And I think he is going to be, like, a pretty decent contributor for the Wolves this year. I think the – my hot take is that, although right now – it seems like the Ronda Hollis Jefferson cut seems like bad. Like, oh, we do we really trust Jake Lane? <clears throat> right. I think throughout the season that will become that will look like a good decision. Yeah. And a lot of Wolves fans would agree with the first part of what you said about Jake Lehman being a good contributor. Cause a lot I think a lot of fans really like him. People are just 
so set and that the Wolves needed um, defense at the four spot that they didn't care. They had Ronnie Hollis Jefferson there and they threw out all the other reasons for cutting him out the window, like Mm -hmm. financial reasons and roster spot flexibility for trades and stuff. Cause they just wanted somebody to be solid at the four spot in real, in all seriousness, like Ronnie Hollis Jefferson was not going to be in the rotation. Like he was only going to play spot minutes. Um, And Jake Lehman, I think he'll be a really good contributor for this team too. I think he's a really, really good cutter. He's an impressive athlete. Um, he knocks down the open shots, which is pretty much all his offensive role is. And then defensively, he's not going to clamp anybody up, but he's a good help side, backside defender. Um, and he gets in some passing lanes. So I think he does a lot of things well that are just going to help this team, especially offensively. The cutting is going to open up the Timberwolves offense so much because uh, with the Timberwolves playing such like a five out system, like you need people to cut. So D'Lo and Ricky Rubio and Cat can find you. And it's just going to open up the offense a bunch that Rondé House Jefferson was not going to do that. Right. And I think also like Jake Lehman, this is also goes in my hot take. I think he could easily score like 12 to 13 points per game, shoot the ball four or five times from deep and maybe hit like a 32, 33% clip on that. Yeah. And if he does all those things, I think that's way better than what people initially expected him to be. Yeah. And, all he's going to need to do on the offensive side of the ball is just cut, which we know he can do, and mm-hmm. then knock down the open shots. We don't need him taking contested pull-ups or anything no, like that. Like, knock down the open shot, and he'll get he'll get opportunities to do that because D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Carl Anthony Towns have such shooting gravity that defenses are just going to leave Lehman open and try and help on those guys rather than try to just stop Jake Lehman from shooting. Because Lehman's not as good of a shooter as those guys. But if he can knock down 37% of his open threes, that's going to be really impressive for the Timberwolves. Yeah, so um, I think people are going to not look at that move as a bad move in a, in a few weeks or in a few months. Yeah, and I think there's a solid chance, too, um, that the Wolves just find a trade for an even better power forward sometime during yeah. the season. Rosas is going to be... He's going to be um, diligent and he's going to be aggressive in the trade market mm-hmm. um, and try and find someone. So I don't think just because this is what the roster looks right now, that that's going to what it's going to be at the season. And if Rosas can't find a trade, maybe he does bring Rondé Hollis Jefferson back partway through the year. And mm-hmm. just, you know, that that door hasn't been closed. So right. I don't think I, I understand the move. I didn't freak out about the move. I've listened to Dane Moore, which is a big you know, really intelligent Timberwolves writer um, talk with one of uh, another Timberwolves writer about the move. And it just makes a lot more sense than it does on the surface. So mm-hmm. I'm not too concerned about that. What right. are your expectations for the Detroit Pistons this season? Seeding wise, wins wise, anything like, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think the Pistons will be one of the better defense or like maybe top 10 defense in the league. But I think they're going to struggle offensively to the point where they're not going to win many games. I, how many games is this season? 72? 72, yeah. So they're, they're probably going to end up winning like between 20, like 25 to 30 games maybe. So they'll be a pretty bad team. But I don't think they're going to be the worst team. Uh, but I think they're going to be competitive every night. Make like they're going to get a lot of those losses that are like, wow, like they played really well, but they just weren't good enough. You know, 
it's right. not getting like blown off the floor. I think um, they're going to defend at a high level team, like in a team defense mentality. And I, I just don't see them winning many games, but I, I think that's going to be the identity of this team going forward. Um, I think Killian Hayes has a decent season. I don't think he's going to be as good as people project him to be, but I think he'll be solid in year one. I think second Dumboya takes a big step forward this year. Um, yeah, that's where I think they end up. Yeah, and that's all you can really ask for in like terms of this season is just like developing Hayes and Dumboya, um, mm-hmm. just seeing what you have in Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I okay. So a couple of weeks ago, I went and I kind of laid out the Eastern Conference, and I actually did have them at 15th but the more i see um the team i didn't think the defense would be as good as i think it's going to be now after going a little bit further into it mm-hmm. like they don't have a lot of true like like in your nose like point of attack defenders that are just going to like like hound you yeah but they have a like you said a lot of good team defenders that are really going to get in passing lanes help each other and i think that's going to lead them to wins um so I would probably put them now, shift them up over the Cavaliers, um, probably over the Knicks because the Knicks haven't looked good in the in the um, preseason. And I don't want to put too much stock into the preseason, but like you can take things from the preseason. I'm taking that the Knicks just aren't going to be good. So I can see the Pistons being 13th, 12th um, in the in the Eastern Conference. Would you be surprised if they did end up being the worst team in the Eastern Conference? No, I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I I do think they're going to be better than Knicks, better than the Cavs. Uh, and, and also the reason why I'm not surprised they, that they're going to be the worst is because I think when they start – like if Derek – like the only reason why they're not a bottom three team in the East right now is if Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, like all these people have like breakout seasons, like amazing seasons. And if that's the case, I could easily see Derek Rose getting flipped. I can see right. Blake Griffin is averaging 20 and 10 or whatever it is, you know, ha- having a season similar to 2018 and he's healthy and there's no questions about his health. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that some team, maybe not a contender, but some team takes a chance on him in the same way that like the Pistons took a chance on him from the Clippers. Right. Yeah. I could totally see Blake Griffin just playing really well and somebody putting together the money to, to get him what how many years left does he have in his contract I think he has two or three two. yeah let me look it up real fast but like a team that i was kind of uh, oh he so he has a guarantee contract through this season and then a player option for next season so like which he's probably gonna accept because it's 36 accept. million or whatever it is 39 yeah but yeah but uh, like one of the teams i was just kind of like racking my brain with i was chatting with kuka heel who's another member of and I was talking with him on the phone yesterday, and he's like, we were talking about just this. Like, if Blake Griffin has a breakout season, what are the chances he gets traded? And if so, where does he get traded? Um, and the location that we ended up coming up, like, to, coming to an agreement with is like, hey, what about Charlotte? Like, Charlotte has all these, like, massive contracts that, right. like, Cody Zeller, for example, Terry Rozier, like, you, you had a few of these contracts together, and you get Blake Griffin in there to pair with Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball on a rookie contract, Miles Bridges on a rookie contract, P.J. Washington on a rookie contract. Like, you get all of these players, and you add, like, some key veteran pieces, and now that team looks like a playoff team. Well, even, like, just think about uh, 
Blake Griffin could be one of the best like people to teach LaMelo ball how to run a pick and roll in the mm-hmm. NBA. So like mm-hmm. that would make sense. Even if you don't want him long term, just to have him do that cuz he was a and he's his game has obviously changed now, but he didn't all of a sudden forget how to run a pick and roll. Like right. he's going to be able to show LaMelo how to do that effectively with the and he lost some of his athleticism, but even not even if it's like in-game practice as much as just like helping him in practices and in games sometimes, but well, not like, like another veteran, you know, like just another yeah. veteran veteran to the team. And Blake Griffin is like the, the one positive about him being in Detroit is like, he has a, had such a good influence on the culture here. Yeah. Before um, like, before there were so many questions like, Oh, what is the identity of the Pistons? What, like, what are they going to like, what are they going to be? There were so many moving pieces with who they were and what they were as a team that I feel like now with Blake Griffin, they have like an identity and a purpose and a culture that now they can build from. And I feel like Charlotte needs that same culture shock, figure out what the hell this team actually going to be about. And they can do that now with like LaMelo ball, like looking like looking like magic Johnson in the preseason. And then, uh, then they have Gordon Hayward, another proven winner. And you add Blake Griffin. And I just feel like that's like a good fit for him. If they were to get flipped, like if, if, if he were to get flipped, but that's, under the impression that Blake Griffin now has like a breakout season and he's healthy. Right. Which is, yeah. which is a big For sure. Um, last thing I want to talk about, what do you expect from the Timberwolves this season? You live in Minneapolis, correct? Yeah, I live in Minneapolis. I was a okay. former season ticket holder. Um, I stopped paying for it. <laughs> so, right. Sorry, I'm just trying to find my charger. Um. So for the Wolves, I think the Wolves are going to be like in the same kind of in the same boat as the Pistons where they have a bunch of young guys and like a very like ever changing culture. But I think the difference is that they're going to be forced to kind of win now because Cat is right. like we, we like you look around the league at these other stars who like have been in small markets and they look elsewhere and they get the rumor mill started. And I know Giannis just re-signed in Milwaukee, but that's Giannis, you know. Cat right. one of those players that's like not at that upper echelon like Giannis is, but he could look around the league and be like, okay, what other team could use a sweet shooting seven foot big? Right. Yeah, and, and there's a ton of teams that could. Yeah, and so like the Wolves this year are gonna have to either like, all right, put all your eggs in the cat basket, or like start to transition away from him. And so depending on how the team really does this year, I think they're gonna have to make that decision right now. So if you had to pin them into like a seed in the Western Conference, what do you think you would? Where do you think you would throw the Timberwolves at? <sighs> like eleven or ten? Like I could see them fighting for a play-in spot. Yeah, and I the the I wouldn't be surprised if the Wolves put it all together and were an eight seed, and I wouldn't really be surprised if they were the second worst team in the Western Conference. Right. Like neither yeah. would surprise me. Right. Um, that's the scary thing about the wolves because you never really know what they're going to be. And yeah, like their, their team is just, doesn't really have an identity at this point, you know? Yeah. Obviously like offensively we have an identity identity. We're just going to shoot the lights out and hope that they go in mm-hmm. defensively. What are you going to be? You have like two good defenders and then a solid defender in Rubio. So you have a Kogi Culver Rubio are your solid defenders. And outside of that, you don't really have a true guy you can hang your hat on defensively. And that's right. where Cat playing good, 
post defense is going to really um, matter to this team because everything goes at the rim. And if Cat's defending the rim, like he's the most important guy on the floor on both sides of the ball. Right. And he and needs to prove that he can hole. handle it. Yeah. And that's when his biggest hole throughout his entire career was like defending the right. rim, like bigger bigs. Like there's that, there's that meme of like DeMarcus Cousins, like posting him up. And yeah. Uh, yeah, or, or him, him posting DeMarcus Cousins up and just like that physicality wasn't ever there for Cat. And I think, you know, the funniest thing about that picture is Cat actually scored on that possession. Did he? That's like the best. That's the best thing about that picture is Cat literally scored there. But it is true. Like, oh, DeMarcus was just, it was like a hook shot. It wasn't like he backed him down. Like, right. he just got to his, you know, his famous hook shot. But, yeah, you can tell he's in that picture. He struggled against a big body. Mm-hmm center and tried to move him mm-hmm. um and that translates to the defensive side of the ball as well right but yeah it's a kind of a make or break season for the Timberwolves I don't think they have to make the playoffs for Cat to be happy no. but they have to show growth and like a true direction um but yeah I it's gonna be an exciting season no matter what we haven't seen Timberwolves basketball in forever uh the Pistons haven't played in forever yeah it's, it's so exciting. it feels good to have basketball back so for sure. Even if my team is just bad, even if the Wolves are bad, it's still going to be fun just to see NBA basketball again. Yeah, for sure. And it all starts, I mean, when we're recording, it starts tonight. We have like six hours to go until mm-hmm. till it starts. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I think that's all I got. So thank you for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. It was kind of last minute, but uh, it was it's fun talking to you. And we'll definitely probably talk again when the Timberwolves and the Pistons play later for sure um, in this season i'm guessing they'll play one more time so all right well thank you so much for coming on man i appreciate it yeah, take care thanks a lot thank you for tuning in to this episode of the wolf among wolves podcast i really do appreciate that if you are enjoying this podcast please consider leaving a rating and also subscribing to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform other than that i will be back soon and thank you again for listening peace out Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.